0: Section 47 of Jataka Tales by H.T. Francis and E.J. Thomas This LibriVox recording is in the public domain The 19 problems In this birth the Bodhisatta is born as the sage Mohasada at the age of 7 he builds a mansion for children to play in and the king wishes to see him this is prevented through the jealousy of the king's ministers until he has been tested by the following problems he afterwards becomes the king's minister, overcomes his rivals who slander him, and saves the king from the attacks and plots of his enemies. 1. THE PIECE OF MEAT One day when the Bodhisatta was going to the play-hall, a hawk carried off a piece of flesh from the slab of a slaughter-house and flew up into the air. Some lads seeing it determined to make him drop it and pursued him. The hawk flew in different directions, and they, looking up, followed behind and wearied themselves, flinging stones and other missiles, and stumbling over one another. Then the sage said to them, I will make him drop it, and they begged him to do so. He told them to look, and then himself, without looking up, ran with the swiftness of the wind and trod upon the hawk's shadow, and then clapping his hands uttered a loud shout, by his power that shout seemed to pierce the bird's belly through and through, and in his terror it dropped the flesh. And the great being, knowing by watching the shadow that it was dropped, caught it in the air before it reached the ground. The people, seeing the marvel, made a great noise, shouting and clapping their hands. The minister, hearing of it, sent an account to the king, telling him how the sage had by this means made the bird drop the flesh. The king, when he heard of it, asked Sanaka whether he should summon him to the court. Sanaka reflected, "'From the time of his coming I shall lose all my glory, and the king will forget my existence. I must not let him bring him here.' So in envy he said, "'He is not a sage for such an action as this. This is only a small matter.' and the king, being impartial, sent word that the minister should test him further where he was. 2. THE CATTLE A certain man who dwelt in the village of Yavamajica brought some cattle from another village, intending to plow when the rains had fallen, and brought them home. The next day he took them to a field of grass to graze and rode on the back of one of the cattle. Being tired, he got down and sat on the ground and fell asleep, and meanwhile a thief came and carried off the cattle. When he woke, he saw not his cattle, but as he gazed on every side, he beheld the thief running away. Jumping up, he shouted, "'Where are you taking my cattle?' "'They're my cattle, and I'm carrying them to the place which I wish.' A great crowd collected as they heard the dispute. When the sage heard the noise as they passed by the door of the hall, He sent for them both. When he saw their behavior he at once knew which was the thief and which the real owner. But though he felt sure, he asked them what they were quarreling about. The owner said, "'I bought these cattle from a certain person in such a village, and I brought them home and put them in a field of grass. This thief saw that I was not watching and came and carried them off. Looking in all directions I caught sight of him and pursued and caught him. The people of such a village know that I bought the cattle and took them." The thief replied, "'This man speaks falsely. They were born in my house,' the sage said. "'I will decide your case fairly. Will you abide by my decision?' And they promised so to abide. Then thinking to himself that he must win the hearts of the people, he first asked the thief. "'What have you fed these cattle with, and what have you given them to drink?' "'They have drunk rice gruel, and have been fed on sesame flour and kidney beans.' Then he asked the real owner, who said, "'My lord, how could a poor man like me get rice gruel and the rest? I fed them on grass.' The pandit caused an assembly to be brought together, and ordered panic seeds to be brought and ground in a mortar, and moistened with water and given to the cattle and they forthwith vomited only grass. He showed this to the assembly, and then asked the thief, Art thou the thief or not? He confessed that he was the thief. He said to them, Then do not commit such a sin henceforth. But the Bodhisattva's attendants carried the man away, and cut off his hands and feet, and made him helpless. Then the sage addressed him with words of good counsel, this suffering has come upon thee only in this present life, but in the future life thou wilt suffer great torment in the different hells. Therefore, henceforth abandon such practices. He taught him the five commandments. The minister sent an account of the incident to the king, who asked Senaka, but he advised him to wait. It is only a affair. It is only an affair about cattle, and anybody could decide it. THE KING, BEING IMPARTIAL, SENT THE SAME COMMAND. THIS IS TO BE UNDERSTOOD IN ALL THE SUBSEQUENT CASES. WE SHALL GIVE EACH IN ORDER ACCORDING TO THE LIST. 3. THE NECKLACE OF THREAD A certain poor woman had tied together several threads of different colors and made them into a necklace, which she took off from her neck and placed on her clothes as she went down to bathe in a tank which the sage had caused to be made. A young woman who saw this, conceived a longing for it, took it up and said to her, "'Mother, this is a very beautiful necklace. How much did it cost to make? "'I will make such a one for myself. May I put it on my own neck and ascertain its size?' The other gave her leave, and she put it on her neck and ran off. The elder woman, seeing it, came quickly out of the water, and, putting on her clothes, ran after her and seized hold of her dress, crying, "'You are running away with a necklace which I made!' The other replied, "'I am not taking anything of yours. It is the necklace which I wear on my neck.' And a great crowd collected as they heard this. The sage, while he played with the boys, heard them quarreling as they passed by the door of the hall, and asked what the noise was about. When he heard the cause of the quarrel, he sent for them both, and, having known at once by her countenance which was the thief, he asked them whether they would abide by his decision. On their both agreeing to do so, he asked the thief, "'What scent do you use for this necklace?' she replied, "'I always use Sava Sambaraka to scent it with.' Now this is a scent compounded of all scents. When he asked the other, who replied— How shall a poor woman like me get Sava Sambaraka? I always scent it with perfume made of piangu flowers. Then the sage had a vessel of water brought and put the necklace in it. Then he sent for a perfume seller and told him to smell the vessel and find out what it smelt of. He directly recognized the smell of the piangu flower and quoted the stanza which has already been given in the first book. Saba Sambaraka, tis not, only the kangu smells, yon wicked woman told a lie, the truth the grammar tells. The great being told the bystanders all the circumstances, and asked each of them respectively, Art thou the thief, art thou not the thief? And made the guilty one confess, and from that time his wisdom became known to the people. Four, THE COTTON THREAD A certain woman who used to watch cotton fields was watching one day, and she took some clean cotton and spun some fine thread and made it into a ball and placed it in her lap. As she went home, she thought to herself, "'I will bathe in the great sage's tank.' So she placed the ball on her dress and went down into the tank to bathe. Another woman saw it and, conceiving a longing for it, took it up, saying, "'This is a beautiful ball of thread. Pray, did you make it yourself?' So she lightly snapped her fingers and put it in her lap, as if to examine it more closely, and walked off with it. This is to be told at full as before. The sage asked the thief, When you made the ball, what did you put inside? She replied, A cotton seed. Then she asked the other, and she replied, A timbaro seed. When the crowd had heard what each said, he untwisted the ball of cotton and found a timbaro seed inside and forced the thief to confess her guilt. The great multitude were highly pleased, and shouted their applause at the way in which the case had been decided. 5. The son. A certain woman took her son and went down to the sage's tank to wash her face. After she had bathed her son, she laid him in her dress, and having washed her own face, went to bathe. At that moment, a female goblin saw the child and wished to eat it, so he took hold of the dress and said, "'My friend, this is a fine child. Is he your son?' Then she asked if she might give him suck, and on obtaining the mother's consent, she took him and played with him for a while, and then tried to run off with him. The other ran after her and seized hold of her, shouting, "'Whither are you carrying my child?' The goblin replied, "'Where did you get a child? This is mine.' As they wrangled, they passed by the door of the hall, and the sage, hearing the noise, sent for them and asked what was the matter. When he heard this story, although he knew at once by her red, unwinking eyes that one of them was a goblin, he asked them whether they would abide by his decision." On their promising to do so, he drew a line, and laid the child in the middle of the line, and bade the goblin seize the child by the hands, and the mother by the feet. Then he said to them, Lay hold of it and pull. The child is hers who can pull it over. They both pulled, and the child, being pained while it was pulled, uttered a loud cry. Then the mother, with a heart which seemed ready to burst, Let the child go, and stood weeping. The sage asked the multitude, Is it the heart of the mother which is tender towards the child, or the heart of her who is not the mother? They answered, The mother's heart. Is she the mother who kept hold of the child, or she who let it go? They replied, She who let it go. Do you know who she is who stole the child? We do not know, O sage. She is a goblin. She seized it in order to eat it. When they asked how he knew that, he replied, I knew her by her unwinking red eyes, and by her casting no shadow, and by her fearlessness and want of mercy. Then he asked her what she was, and she confessed that she was a goblin. Why did you seize this child? To eat it. You blind fool, he said, You committed sin in old time, and so were born as a goblin. And now you still go on committing sin, blind fool that you are. Then he exhorted her, and established her in the five precepts, and sent her away. And the mother blessed him, and saying, Mayest thou live long, my lord, took her son, and went her way. 6. THE BLACK BALL There was a certain man who was called Golakala. Now he got the name Gola, ball, from his dwarfish size, and Kala from his black color. He worked in a certain house for seven years and obtained a wife, and she was named Digatala. One day he said to her, "'Wife, cook some sweetmeats and food. We will pay a visit to your parents.' At first she opposed the plan, saying, "'What have I to do with parents now?' But after the third time of asking, he induced her to cook some cakes, and having taken some provisions and a present, he set out on the journey with her. In the course of the journey he came to a stream which was not really deep, but they, being both afraid of water, dared not cross it and stood on the bank. Now a poor man named Digapiti came to that place as he walked along the bank, and when they saw him they asked him whether the river was deep or shallow. Seeing that they were afraid of the water, he told them that it was very deep and full of voracious fish. "'How, then, will you go across it? "'I have struck up a friendship with the crocodiles and monsters that live here, and therefore they do not hurt me.' "'Do take us with you,' they said. When he consented they gave him some meat and drink, and when he finished his meal he asked them which he should carry over first. "'Take our friend first, and then take me,' said Golakala. Then the man placed her on his shoulders and took the provisions and the present and went down into the stream. When he had gone a little way, he crouched down and walked along in a bent posture. Golakala, as he stood on the bank, thought to himself, "'This stream must indeed be very deep. If it is so difficult for even such a man as Digapiti, it must be impassable for me.' When the other had carried the woman to the middle of the stream, he said to her, Lady, I will cherish you, and you shall live bravely arrayed with fine dresses and ornaments, and men servants and maid servants. What will this poor dwarf do for you? Listen to what I tell you. She listened to his words and ceased to love her husband, and being at once infatuated with the stranger, she consented, saying, "'If you will not abandon me, I will do as you say.' So when they reached the opposite bank, they amused themselves and left Golakala, bidding him stay where he was. While he stood there looking on, they ate up the meat and drink and departed. When he saw it, he exclaimed, "'They have struck up a friendship and are running away, leaving me here!' As he ran backwards and forwards, he went a little way into the water, and then drew back again in fear. And then, in his anger at their conduct, he made a desperate leap, saying, "'Let me live or die!' And when once fairly in, he discovered how shallow the water was. So he crossed it and pursued him and shouted, "'You wicked thief! Whither are you carrying my wife?' The other replied, "'How is she your wife? She is mine!' And he seized him by the neck and whirled him round and threw him off. The other laid hold of Digitala's hand, and shouted, "'Stop! Where are you going? You are my wife, whom I got after working for seven years in a house!' And as he thus disputed, he came near the hall. A great crowd collected. The great being asked what the noise was about, and having sent for them and heard what each said, he asked whether they would abide by his decision. On their both agreeing to do so, he sent for Digapiti and asked him his name. Then he asked the wife's name, but he, not knowing what it was, mentioned some other name. Then he asked him the names of his parents, and he told them. But when he asked him the names of his wife's parents, he, not knowing, mentioned some other names. The great being put his story together and had him removed. Then he sent for the other and asked him the names of all in the same way. He, knowing the truth, gave them correctly. Then he had him removed and sent for Digatala, and asked her what her name was, and she gave it. Then he asked her her husband's name, and she, not knowing, gave a wrong name. Then he asked her her parents' names, and she gave them correctly. But when he asked her the names of her husband's parents' names, she talked at random and gave wrong names. Then the sage sent for the other two, and asked the multitude. Does the woman's story agree with Digapiti or Golakala? They replied, With Golakala! Then he pronounced his sentence. This man is her husband, and the other is a thief. And when he asked him, he made him confess that he had acted as a thief. 7. The Chariot A certain man who was sitting in a chariot alighted from it to wash his face, At that moment Saka was considering, and as he beheld the sage, he resolved that he would make known the power and wisdom of Mohasada, the embryo Buddha. So he came down in the form of a man, and followed the chariot holding on behind. The man who sat in the chariot asked, Why have you come? He replied, To serve you. The man agreed, and dismounting from the chariot, went aside at the call of nature. Immediately Sokka mounted in the chariot and went off at speed. The owner of the chariot, his business done, returned, and when he saw Sokka hurrying away with the chariot, he ran quickly behind, crying, Stop! Stop! Where are you taking my chariot? Sokka replied, Your chariot must be another. This is mine. Thus wrangling, they came to the gate of the hall. The sage asked, What is this? and sent for him. As he came, by his fearlessness and his eyes which winked not, the sage knew that this was Saka and the other was the owner. Nevertheless he inquired the cause of the quarrel, and asked them, Will you abide by my decision? They said, Yes. He went on, I will cause the chariot to be driven, and you must both hold on behind. The owner will not let go, the other will. Then he told a man to drive the chariot, and he did so, the others holding on behind. The owner went a little way, then, being unable to run further, he let go. But Saka went on running with the chariot. When he had recalled the chariot, the sage said to the people, This man ran a little way and let go. The other ran out with the chariot and came back with it. Yet there is not a drop of sweat on his body, no panting, He is fearless, his eyes wink not. This is Saka, King of the Gods." Then he asked, "'Are you King of the Gods?' "'Yes.' "'Why did you come here?' "'To spread the fame of your wisdom, O sage.' Then said he, "'Don't do that kind of thing again.' Now Saka revealed his power by standing poised in the air, and praised the sage, saying, "'A wise judgment this! So he went to his own place. Then the minister, unsummoned, went to the king and said, O oh, great king, thus was the chariot question resolved, and even Saka was subdued by him. Why do you not recognize superiority in men? The king asked Sanaka. What say you, Sanaka? Shall we bring the sage here? Sanaka replied, That is not all that makes a sage. Wait a while. I will test him and find out. 8. THE POLE So one day, with a view of testing the sage, they fetched an acacia-pole, and cutting off about a span, they had it nicely smoothed by a turner, and sent it to the village of East Yavamojaka, with this message. The people of Yavamojaka have a name for wisdom. Let them find out, then, which end is the top and which the root of this stick. If they cannot, there is a fine of a thousand pieces. The people gathered together, but could not find it out, and they said to their guildmaster, Perhaps Mohasada the sage would know. Send and ask him. The guildmaster sent for the sage from his playground, and told him the matter, how they could not find it out, but perhaps he could. The sage thought in himself, The king can gain nothing from knowing which is the top and which is the root. No doubt it is sent to test me." He said, Bring it here, my friends, I will find out. Holding it in his hand, he knew which was the top and which the root. Yet to please the heart of the people, he sent for a pot of water, and tied a string around the middle of the stick, and holding it by the end of the string, he let it down to the surface of the water. The root being heavier, sank first. Then he asked the people, IS THE ROOT OF A TREE HEAVIER OR THE TOP? THE ROOT, WISE, SIR. SEE THEN, THIS PART SINKS FIRST, AND THIS IS THEREFORE THE ROOT. BY THIS MARK HE DISTINGUISHED THE ROOT FROM THE TOP. THE PEOPLE SENT IT BACK TO THE KING, DISTINGUISHING WHICH WAS THE ROOT AND WHICH WAS THE TOP. THE KING WAS PLEASED, AND ASKED WHO HAD FOUND IT OUT. THEY SAID, THE SAGE MOHASADHA, SON OF THE guildmaster master Sirivadi. "'Sanaka, shall we send for him?' he asked. "'Wait, my lord,' he replied. "'Let us try him in another way.'" 9. THE HEAD One day two heads were brought, one a woman's and one a man's. These were sent to be distinguished with a fine of a thousand pieces in case of failure. The villagers could not decide, and asked the great being— He recognized them at sight, because, they say, the sutures in a man's head are straight, and in a woman's head they are crooked. By this mark he told which was which, and they sent back to the king. The rest is as before. 10. THE SNAKE One day a male and a female snake were brought, and sent for the villagers to decide which was which. They asked the sage, and he knew at once when he saw them. For the tail of the male snake is thick, that of the female is thin. The male snake's head is thick, the female's is long. The eyes of the male are big, of the female small. And the head of the male is rounded, that of the female cut short. By these signs he distinguished male from female. The rest is as before. 11. THE COCK One day a message was sent to the people of the village of East Yavamajaka to this effect. "'Send us a bull, white all over, with horns on his legs and a hump on the head, which utters his voice at three times unfailingly. Otherwise there is a fine of a thousand pieces.' Not knowing one, they asked the sage. He said, "'The king means you to send him a cock. This creature has horns on his feet, the spurs.' a hump on his head, the crest, and crowing thrice utters his voice at three times unfailingly. Then send him a cock such as he describes. They sent one. 12. THE GEM The gem which Sokka gave to King Kusa was octagonal. Its thread was broken, and no one could remove the old thread and put in a new. One day they sent this gem with directions to take out the old thread and to put in a new. The villagers could do neither the one nor the other, and in their difficulty they told the sage. He bade them fear nothing, and asked for a drop of honey. With this he smeared the two holes in the gem, and, twisting a thread of wool, he smeared the end of this also with honey. He pushed a little way into the hole, and put it in a place where ants were passing. The ants, smelling the honey, came out of their hole, and eating away the old thread, bit hold of the end of the woollen thread, and pulled it out at the other end. When he saw that it had passed through, he bade them present it to the king, who was pleased when he heard how the thread had been put in. 13. The Calving The royal bull was fed up for some months so that his belly swelled out, his horns were washed, He was anointed with oil and bathed with turmeric, and then they sent him to the village of East Yavamajaka, with this message, "'You have a name for wisdom. Here is the king's royal bull and calf. Deliver him and send him back with the calf, or else there is a fine of a thousand pieces.' The villagers, perplexed what to do, applied to the sage, who thought fit to meet one question with another, and asked, "'Can you find a bold man able to speak to the king?' That is no hard matter, they replied. So they summoned him, and the great being said, Go, my good man, let your hair down, loose over your shoulders, and go to the palace gate, weeping and lamenting sore. Answer none but the king, only lament. And if the king sends for you to ask why you lament, say, This seven days my father is in labor and cannot bring forth. Oh, help me, tell me how I may deliver him. Then the king will say, what madness! This is impossible. Men do not bear children. Then you must say, if that be true, how can the people of East Yavamajaka deliver your royal bull of a calf? As he was bidden, so he did. The king asked who thought of that counterquip, and on hearing that it was the sage Mohasada, he was pleased. 14. THE BOILED RICE Another day, to test the sage, this message was sent. The people of East Yevamajaka must send us some boiled rice cooked under eight conditions, and these are without rice, without water, without a pot, without an oven, without fire, without firewood, without being sent along a road either by woman or man. If they cannot do it, there is a fine of a thousand pieces." The people, perplexed, applied to the sage, who said, "'Be not troubled. Take some broken rice, for that is not rice, snow, for that is not water, an earthen bowl, which is no pot. Chop up some wood-blocks, which are no oven. Kindle fire by rubbing instead of a proper fire. Take leaves instead of firewood. Cook your sour rice. Put it in a new vessel. Press it well down. Put it on the head of a eunuch, who is neither man nor woman. Leave the main road and go along a footpath, and take it to the king. They did so, and the king was pleased when he heard by whom the question had been solved. 15. THE SAND Another day, to test the sage, they sent this message to the villagers. The king wishes to amuse himself in a swing, and the old rope is broken. "'You are to make a rope of sand, or else pay a fine of a thousand pieces.' They knew not what to do, and appealed to the sage, who saw that this was the place for a counter-question. He reassured the people, and sending for two or three clever speakers, he bade them go tell the king, "'My lord, the villagers do not know whether the sand-rope is to be thick or thin. Send them a bit of the old rope, a span long, or four fingers.' this they will look at and twist a rope of the same size. If the king replied, Sand-rope there never was in my house, they were to reply, If your majesty cannot make a sand-rope, how can the villagers do it? They did so, and the king was pleased on hearing that the sage had thought of this counter-quip. 16. The Tank. Another day the message was, The king desires to disport him in the water. You must send me a new tank covered with water-lilies of all five kinds. Otherwise there is a fine of a thousand pieces. They told the sage, who saw that a counterquip was wanted. He sent for several men clever at speaking, and said to them, Go and play in the water till your eyes are red. Go to the palace door with wet hair and wet garments, and your bodies all over mud holding in your hands ropes, staves, and clods. Send word to the king of your coming, and when you are admitted say to him, Sire, inasmuch as your majesty has ordered the people of East Yavamajaka to send you a tank, we brought a great tank to suit your taste. But she being used to life in the forest, no sooner saw the town with its walls, moats, and watchtowers than she took fright and broke the ropes and off into the forest.' We pelted her with clods and beat her with sticks, but could not make her come back. Give us, then, the old tank which Your Majesty is said to have brought from the forest, and we will yoke them together and bring the other back. The king will say, I never had a tank brought in from the forest, and never sent a tank there to be yoked and bring in another. Then you must say, if that is so, how can the villagers send you a tank?" They did so and the king was pleased to hear that the sage had thought of this 17 the park again on a day the king sent a message i wish to disport me in the park and my park is old the people of yava majaka must send me a new park filled with trees and flowers the sage reassured them as before and sent men to speak in the same manner as before 18 then the king was pleased, and said to Sanaka, "'Well, Sanaka, shall we send for the sage?' But he, grudging the other's prosperity, said, "'That is not all that makes a sage. Wait!' On hearing this, the king thought, "'The sage Mohasada was wise even as a child, and took my fancy. In all these deep tests and counterquips he has given answers like a Buddha.' yet Sanaka will not let me summon such a sage as this to my side. What care I for Sanaka? I will bring the man here." So with a great following he set out for the village mounted upon his royal horse, but as he went the horse put his foot into a hole and broke his leg. So the king turned back from that place to the town. Then Sanaka entered the presence and said, "'Sire, did you go to the village of Yavamajaka to bring the sage back?' "'Yes, sage,' said the king. "'Sire,' said Sanaka, "'you make me as one of no account. "'I begged you to wait a while, "'but off you went in a hurry, "'and at the outset your royal horse broke his leg.' "'The king had nothing to say to this. "'Again on a day he asked Sanaka, "'Shall we send for the sage, Sanaka?" If so, your majesty, don't go yourself, but send a messenger, saying, O sage, as I was on my way to fetch you, my horse broke his leg. Send us a mule or something more excellent. If he takes the first alternative, he will come himself. If the second, he will send his father. Then will be a problem to test him. The king sent a messenger with this message. The sage, on hearing it, recognized that the king wished to see himself and his father. So he went to his father and said, greeting him, "'Father, the king wishes to see you and me. You go first with a thousand merchants in attendance. And when you go, go not empty-handed, but take a sandalwood casket filled with fresh ghee. The king will speak kindly to you and offer you a householder's seat. Take it and sit down. When you are seated I will come. THE KING WILL SPEAK KINDLY TO ME AND OFFER ME SUCH ANOTHER SEAT. THEN I WILL LOOK AT YOU. TAKE THE CUE AND SAY, RISING FROM YOUR SEAT, SON MOHASADA THE WISE, TAKE THIS SEAT. THEN THE QUESTION WILL BE RIPE FOR SOLUTION." HE DID SO. ON ARRIVING AT THE PALACE-DOOR HE CAUSED HIS ARRIVAL TO BE MADE KNOWN TO THE KING, AND ON THE KING'S INVITATION HE ENTERED AND GREETED THE KING AND STOOD ON ONE SIDE. The king spoke to him kindly, and asked where was his son, the wise Mohasada. "'Coming after me, my lord!' The king was pleased to hear of his coming, and bade the father sit in a suitable place. He found a place and sat there. Meanwhile, the king being dressed himself in all his splendor, and attended by the thousand youths, he came seated in a magnificent chariot. As he entered the town, he beheld an ass by the side of a ditch, and he directed some stout fellows to fasten up the mouth of the ass, so that it should make no noise, to put him in a bag and carry him on their shoulders. They did so. The Bodhisatta entered the city with his great company. The people could not praise him enough. This, they cried, is the wise Mohasada, the merchant Sirivadaka's son, This, they say, is he who was born holding an herb of virtue in his hand. He it is who knew the answers to so many problems set to test him. On arriving before the palace, he sent in word of his coming. The king was pleased to hear it, and said, Let my son the wise Mohasada make haste to come in. So with his attendants, he entered the palace and saluted the king and stood on one side. The king, delighted to see him, spoke to him very sweetly, and bade him find a fit seat and sit down. He looked at his father, and his father at this cue, uprose from his seat and invited him to sit there, which he did. Thereupon the foolish men who were there, Sanaka, Pukasa, Kavinda, Davinda, and others, seeing him sit there, clapped their hands and laughed loudly and cried, "'This is the blind fool they call wise!' HE HAS MADE HIS FATHER RISE FROM HIS SEAT AND SIT THERE HIMSELF. WISE! HE SHOULD NOT BE CALLED, SURELY. THE KING ALSO WAS CRESTFALLEN. THEN THE GREAT BEING SAID, WHY, MY LORD, ARE YOU SAD? YES, WHY, SIR, I AM SAD. I WAS GLAD TO HEAR OF YOU. BUT TO SEE YOU I AM NOT GLAD. WHY SO? "'because you have made your father rise from his seat "'and sit there yourself.' "'What, my lord, do you think that in all cases "'the sire is better than the son's?' "'Yes, sage. "'Did you not send word to me to bring you a mule "'or something more excellent?' "'So saying, he rose up, and looking toward the young fellow, "'said, "'Bring in the ass you have brought.' "'Placing this ass before the king, he went on, "'Sire!' what is the price of this ass the king said if it be serviceable it is worth eight kahapanas but if he get a mule colt out of a thoroughbred sint mare what will the price of it be it will be priceless why do you say that my lord have you not just said that in all cases the sire is better than the sons by your own saying the ass is worth more than the mule colt Now." Have not your wise men clapped their hands and laughed at me, because they did not know that? What wisdom is this of your wise men? Where did you get them? And in contempt for all four of them he addressed the king in this stanza of the first book. You smile and think that the sire is better than the sun, O excellent king. Then is yon creature better than the mule. The ass is the mule's sire. After this said he went on. "'My lord, if the sire is better than the son, take my sire into your service. "'If the son is better than the sire, take me.' The king was delighted, and all the company cried out, applauding and praising a thousand times. "'Well, indeed, has the wise man solved the question!' There was cracking of fingers and waving of a thousand scarves. The four were crestfallen.' Now, no one knows better than the Bodhisatta the value of parents. If one asked then why he did so, it was not to throw contempt on his father. But when the king sent the message, send a mule or something more excellent, he did thus in order to solve that problem, and to make his wisdom to be recognized, and to take the shine out of the four sages. THE KING WAS PLEASED, AND, TAKING THE GOLDEN VASE FILLED WITH SCENTED WATER, POURED THE WATER UPON THE MERCHANT'S HAND, SAYING, ENJOY THE VILLAGE OF EAST YAVAMAJAKA AS A GIFT FROM THE KING. LET THE OTHER MERCHANTS, HE WENT ON, BE subordinate TO THIS. THIS DONE HE SENT TO THE MOTHER OF THE BODHISATTA ALL KINDS OF ORNAMENTS. Delighted as he was at the Bodhisatta's solution of the ass question, he wished to make the Bodhisatta as his own son. And to the father said, Good sir, give me the great being to be my son. He replied, Sire, very young is he still, even yet his mouth smells of milk. But when he is old he shall be with you. The king said, however, "'Good sir. Henceforth you must give up your attachment to the boy. From this day he is my son. I can support my son. So go your ways.' Then he sent him away. He did obeisance to the king, and embraced his son, and, throwing his arms about him, kissed him upon the head, and gave him good counsel. The boy also bade his father farewell, and begged him not to be anxious, and sent him away.' THE KING THEN ASKED THE SAGE WHETHER HE WOULD TAKE HIS MEALS INSIDE THE PALACE OR WITHOUT IT. HE, THINKING THAT WITH SO LARGE A RETINUE IT WERE BEST TO HAVE HIS MEALS OUTSIDE THE PALACE, REPLIED TO THAT EFFECT. THEN THE KING GAVE HIM A SUITABLE HOUSE, AND, PROVIDING FOR THE MAINTENANCE OF THE THOUSAND YOUTHS AND ALL, GAVE HIM ALL THAT WAS NEEDFUL. FROM THAT TIME THE SAGE ATTENDED UPON THE KING. Nineteen. NOW THE KING DESIRED TO TEST THE SAGE. At that time there was a precious jewel in a crow's nest on a palm-tree which stood on the bank of a lake near the southern gate, and the image of this jewel was to be seen reflected upon the lake. They told the king that there was a jewel in the lake. He sent for Sanaka, saying, "'They tell me there is a jewel in the lake. How are we to get it?' Sanaka said, "'The best way is to drain out the water.' The king instructed him to do so and he collected a number of men, and got out the water and mud and dug up the soil at the bottom. But no jewel could he see. But when the lake was again full, there was the reflection of the jewel to be seen once more. Again Sanaka did the same thing, and found no jewel. Then the king sent for the sage and said, A jewel has been seen in the lake, and Sanaka has taken out the water and mud and dug up the earth without finding it. But no sooner is the lake full than it appears again. Can you get hold of it? He replied, That is no hard task, sire. I will get it for you. The king was pleased at this promise, and with a great following he went to the lake, ready to see the might of the sage's knowledge. The great being stood on the bank and looked. He perceived that the jewel was not in the lake, but must be in the tree, and he said aloud, Sire, there is no jewel in the tank. What? Is it not visible in the water? So he sent for a pail of water, and said, Now, my lord, see, is not this jewel visible both in the pail and the lake? Then where can the jewel be? Sire, it is the reflection which is visible both in the lake and in the pail, but the jewel is in a crow's nest in this palm tree. Send up a man and have it brought down. The king did so. The man brought down the jewel, and the sage put it into the king's hand. All the people applauded the sage and mocked at Sinaca. Here's a precious jewel in a crow's nest up a tree, and Sinaca makes strong men dig out the lake. Surely a wise man should be like Mohasada. Thus they praised the great being, and the king, being delighted with him, gave him a necklace of pearls from his own neck, and strings of pearls to the thousand boys, and to him and his retinue he granted the right to wait upon him without ceremony. End of section 47 Read by Scotty Smith End of Jotica Tales by H. D. Francis and E. J. Thomas